for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! What's going on guys welcome into the blitz podcast today we're talking our 15th ranked minnesota vikings with yet another i mean this not a special guest per se but a guest that we haven't had it's not me and kane again uh we got tyler north on an actual member of the blitz pod and is our resident vikings fan tyler how are you doing doing well man it's been a been a hot second uh, i think the last time it was like 10 degrees out and today it's like 95 degrees out so uh yeah it's been a been a hot second since i've hopped on with the fellas um but yeah you know what are we about a month away and month and a half away until nfl season does kick off uh, i know hall of fame game i think is next week so you smell that in the air man we're coming out of hibernation Football's right on the precipice, and uh, yeah, I know we're we're smack. The Vikings are smack in the middle of the rankings, which is about what we ought to expect. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to dive into it. Ready to give, hopefully, some unbiased insight. Uh, but you know, I can I can only do so much. But uh, yeah, it's great to be back with you. I know me, you, and Kane went to a it was Dodgers game about a week or so ago. So it was good to see you guys. Uh, I hadn't seen you guys in a hot second. So. Uh, yeah, I'm fresh off uh, 30th birthday, so I'm an old man. I'm kind of the uh, the pop-up, I, I think are, is what you guys you called pop-up. me. Up. You are pop-up. Yes. So uh, I'm going to add some uh, some wise words of wisdom this season, I think. And I'll have some hot takes all year. And I know like, I'll be on the pod here uh, probably in the coming weeks, definitely in the coming months. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I don't want to give anything away. Uh, I probably will a little bit with the Vikings today, but uh, – yeah, man. It's good to see you guys. Glad to see we've been, you guys, I guess, have been holding the fort down here the last couple of months, but I'm ready to get back into the swing of things for sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear you uh, tell me how much you miss Fran Tarkenton and those fellas from Alan Page from the 70s. Um, but it is definitely, we're getting back into, fo- we're getting back into football season. You know, I'm getting those training, you know, Twitter feeds are full of training camp videos and stuff like that. So we're definitely getting back into it. You know, we are up in the top half now of our rankings. We're going to be inching closer and closer to that number one spot. But today, like I said, we've got the Minnesota Vikings. So let's move on to the quarterback position where we got the guy, Perk Thuggins, starting at quarterback yet again. Uh, we have them ranked 10th for the quarterback position here and. I honestly, I think that's a little bit controversial because there are some guys that are below him that I definitely think some people would be willing to pull some arguments for those guys below. But, you know, there are some questions about who's, you know, or what they're going to be doing. You know, we've got some like Kyler Murray, for example, we have here at number 12. I don't want to reveal the other guys that are down there, but he's injured. There's some other questions about some of these other guys. And I think Kirk Cousins is kind of sliding up the board by default because we know what Kirk Cousins is going to be like he's going to have he's going to give you baseline play and then when he gets hot he's really good but what are your just overall thoughts on Kirk Cousins here for 2023 yeah you know Kirk's fresh off his uh, Netflix series uh, where him and I know Mahomes were the the heavy features on that obviously Mariota was there as well um but this is kind of it. I, I, I It's bittersweet because I think it's kind of a swan song right now for Kirk this year, um, just because, you know, there, there is no contingency after this year. It's show me what you got this year. 
and we'll talk contract probably in the offseason next year. But I think I think he's going to go into next offseason being a free agent. I, I don't know if they're going to extend him, which you know brings up a whole other uh, bag of worms or can of worms, I guess you can say, in questions about where do the Vikings go in the next three, four years at quarterback or next two years, I guess. Um, but when you're talking about him moving up by default, I think it's more of a consistency factor. I mean, this was a guy that, uh, you know, two years ago, 33 and seven touchdown to interception. And then last year, 29 to 14. So came back probably closer to the median last year. Um, he's always like in top 10 MVP races. It seems he'll never win, one, but he's, he's right around there. And, you know, I look at this guy over the last five to six years, and I really feel like he's been underappreciated by not only Vikings fans, but the NFL as a whole. Um, and I know that we talk about some of these guys and they show flashes and everything, but this is a hard-nosed dude, man. He doesn't miss games. He's there every game, every season, and he's been the model of consistency. So at what point do you say, hey, you know, these guys have more talent, but they're not healthy or they're not showing it? Or you look at Dak Prescott, for example. He's a guy that is always compared with Kirk Cousins, I feel like, in rankings. And he led the league in interceptions, and he missed six games, I think, last year. So, you know, Yes, Dak Prescott might have a little bit more talent, probably a little bit more on the legs. You know, he's definitely more mobile quarterback. But Kirk Cousins just continues to put up the numbers. And without him, I don't know what this team is. I really don't know if this is even, I mean, six wins, five wins maybe. Like, if you put Nick Mullins in there in place of Kirk Cousins, this is nothing. The other thing that a lot of other teams have is an offensive line. I like the shape of the Vikings offensive line this year. But if one guy gets hurt, there's no depth. There's no depth, and that and that really concerns me because Kirk got battered last year, and we saw it in that series and everything. And uh, you know, if somebody gets injured on the offensive line, it's going to be a world of worry not only for the Vikings but I think for Kirk as well. I'm tired of the Kirk slander. You know what he did last year was absolutely incredible. Some of those throws and plays down the stretch and the game-winning drives that he had, just absolutely ridiculous. And I know it ended on a sour note, throwing a three-yard out route to. Hawkinson on eight in the playoff game against the Giants. But it was a fun season, man. There's nothing that anybody can tell me about the Vikings season that wasn't fun last year. Yeah, it was. We all knew it was. We we, we all saw the writing on the wall that they were going to lose in a close game in the playoffs because they were like 11 and or 12 and 0 in one score games last year. And they were 13 and four overall. And they had, I think the point differential was like even, even though they were 13. Yeah, they were negative. So, yeah, I mean, you, you look at that and. A lot of that is due to Kirk Cousins showing what he can do when it was clutch time. And I know he gets a slander. Oh, Mr. Primetime. You can't play in primetime. And I understand the primetime record. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be a black cloud over the Vikings. But what he's able to do on 1 o'clock on Sunday in crunch time, man, you can't take that away from him. Yeah, I think I'm looking at his like some of his stats from the last few seasons, and maybe I was a little hard on Kirk. Maybe he is a top 10 guy. Like. The, the stats su- support it, as crazy as that is to say. Like, I never thought that I'd be telling you that. Because, like, you watch Kirk Cousins play, and more times than not, it is rather, like, uninspiring. You don't, like you said, it's not flashes. You don't see flashes from Kirk Cousins, but you know what you're going to get all the time. Like, a lot of these guys that are we have below him, we see flashes of elite-level play. We rarely see elite-level play from Kirk Cousins, but it's almost always very, very good. I didn't realize he hasn't graded uh, the last four seasons. He's been top 11 in PFF grade. I do think the availability helps, and I think that that's a that's obviously an asset and a real ability of his is the fact that he's almost always there. 
Uh, and that's why he's almost, like you said, he's a top 10 MVP guy every year is because he's there. He's available, and he's playing in this high-powered offense. I do think that with him, the ceiling is a little capped, and that's my reservation with him. But he's going to keep the floor high for you, and that's what really matters with this Vikings team, especially when you've got the playmakers that they do now, even with the loss of Dalvin Cook, which we'll talk about in a second, but you know, you've got the best wide receiver in the NFL. If you want Kirk Cousins to succeed, that's how you do it, is you surround him with playmakers. You know, you already have Justin Jefferson. You go out and you draft the Jordan Addison in the first round, uh, a top, what, 23-something, whatever number pick it was. Yeah, I think it was... 22-23, because all the wide receivers went 1-2-3-4. So... It's this is how you get Kirk Cousins to succeed, and I think that you know maybe maybe I am a little hard. Maybe as an NFL community, we're a little bit too hard on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and I think the other thing is it it's tough to win in this league. Like it's it's so freaking tough. I mean, we see it week in and week out. Even when you think you've got a grasp on the NFL, something crazy happens, and you're like, what? Like for instance, who saw the Colts beating the Chiefs last year? Like that that was an absolute ridiculous win. And you look back on it, and you're like. At the time, it was like, okay, it's week four or five. Maybe that makes sense. Look, Looking back, but now it's like, how the hell did that happen? Or the Texans beating the Chargers. Like, how does that happen? Like, in a nutshell. And it's like I said, as soon as you think you got to figure it out, you don't. But, yeah, I think that the other thing to keep in mind is last year was his lowest PFF grade since 2017. That was also with a completely new system, a completely new head coach, a whole bunch of new pieces. Yes, you know, you had – Thielen and Cook and Jefferson all coming back. But for the most part, it was a completely new set of tools that he had to work with. And he was still able to put up really good numbers. And he was still able to to propel the Vikings to 13 wins in the regular season, which I don't think anybody saw was possible at the beginning of the year. That game against Buffalo, arguably the, the best regular season game of the year. I mean, that that was the game that as a Vikings fan, you're like, all right, maybe this is just one of those seasons where we just find crazy ways to win. And they did. And they did it week in and week out. And I remember they won on Christmas Eve against the Giants. Kirk Cousins, once again, leading them down the field to get in field goal range, to kick the game winning field goal. The game where I said, I don't know how this season's going to end, but the Colts, the Colts come back as well. Like down, what, 33, 36, something like that. And they come all the way back. 33 to nothing. Yeah. 33 to nothing and came back and won that game. and every, It's it's just one of those things where it's just like, I don't know how this is going to end, but I'm going to enjoy the hell out mm-hmm. of this ride because it, it's fun. It was week in, week out, you knew that the Vikings were going to be in a close game. And if they weren't, they were getting their brakes blown off. So it was just it was just like, all right, I guess if we're going to have bad games, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not even going to be in them. We're just going to take this, crumble it up, and throw it away. And that's kind of what they did. But, um, yeah, I think that Kirk, you know, has always been underappreciated. We saw it in Washington when they just franchise tagged him, franchise tagged him and then finally let him go. And, you know, the Vikings signed him to what at the time was the highest, the most guaranteed money ever for a quarterback, which is crazy. It was $90 million and look where we are now. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that as a whole, from the fan base perspective, from the NFL perspective, he's definitely been, you know, in the last, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to say decade. I guess I can probably say decade. You know, he's, he's one of, if not the most underappreciated quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to hear you a little bit. I, like last uh, last episode, I was getting talked into Danny Dimes. Now I'm getting talked into Kirk Cousins. So, you know, hey, what a. I don't think Daniel Jones has done it enough. That's true. Like he he had. We also have Daniel Jones a lot lower year. than we did Kirk Cousins too. For sure, I think I think Kirk realistically is somewhere. Maybe his ceiling is as high as like nine, maybe eight, when and then I would high. say his floor is somewhere. When he's high, yeah. yeah. 
And but then I'd say some the floor is somewhere in like the 14, 15 range. I'd say somewhere in between realistically 10 and 13 is what I would yeah. say. All right. Well, let's move on to his weaponry, the playmakers here. Obviously, the best receiver real in the quick, NFL. Real quick, real quick. Before we do move on from Kirk, what do you think the Vikings should do next offseason? Let's say he has a, a top 11 or 12 quarterback season like he's been doing. Do you give him a one-year deal? Do you give him you know, a two-year deal? Do you draft somebody like – because I'd imagine they're probably going to be I, – I look at them as probably being about a 500 team next year, so maybe like a Bo Nix or somebody of that nature falls to them because they're not going to get Caleb Williams. They're not going to get Drake May. Do you, you – do you say, hey, we're going to go forward with Bo Nix and see what we've got, or do you try and sign somebody? What, what, what would you do if you were the if you were Quessy? It's very tough because we are in a very quarterback-driven league, and we are now in a league where quarterbacks are getting paid a lot of money. I can't see a world in which they give Kirk Cousins a long-term deal. I could see a one-year, $45 million type situation for Kirk Cousins, as crazy as that is to say, like, out loud. But I think he deserves that kind of money, especially on a shorter-term deal. If they really are like, all right, we're not doing another year of Kirk Cousins, I don't know what their options are. Because, like you said, this is a 500 team, and if your option is Bo Nix, we'll, we'll get into this defense, but this is not a good defense. These playmakers are really good, but if you don't even have like a Kirk Cousins-level quarterback... How good are these playmakers? How are you going to be able to utilize them to their, you know, to get the maximum out of them? And it's a quarterbacks go to the top. Like Levis, we had three guys go in the top four. Levis, I think if the Titans took Levis at 11, I don't think anybody would have like batted an eye. That would have been completely normal. The fact that he fell as far as he did was a shock to almost everybody, you know, interview stuff, whatever. But quarterbacks are going to go. Like you're, you're not going to find your franchise quarterback, as much as I hate to say it, with Kenny Pickett, who was picked uh, a little bit later. Like, once you get past 20, like, you're really going to be hard-pressed to find your franchise quarterback there because if they're good and they're worth being a franchise quarterback, they're probably already gone. So I think that they should bring back Kirk Cousins, even if, you know, even if this season is less than inspiring, you just don't have that an avenue to go get one. Like, maybe Kwesi really buys in and he goes up like maybe I, I can't see the card like we've talked about the cardinal situation where they could be picking with one of the first two picks in the draft and they could you know they've obviously got Kyler Murray under contract for a very long time they could be trading out but I can't see them going down to like 16 or wherever the Vikings could potentially be picking even if Questy was like all right we're gonna do this we're gonna put three first round picks in for Caleb Williams and and unless this season's a disaster I don't know if they're in a position to do that so be very interesting to see what they do there. So, can you imagine? Can you imagine Caleb Williams and Justin Jefferson though? Ooh. And here was one that I actually thought of yesterday. What if Kyler? What if right? Because they have obviously they're paying Kirk Cousins towards the top of the market anyway, and they've got their contract situation to the point where like they let Dalvin go. There's talks of, like they let Zadarius Smith go. Maybe even Daniel Hunter gets let go, which is very scary for the defense to say the least. But. If the Cardinals are like, okay, well, we can get this guy at number one, and he's much cheaper. Let's trade Kyler Murray for two first-round picks. Kyler Murray and Justin Jefferson for the foreseeable future? I think, like, I honestly think that Kyler Murray, like, then moves this. We have them 15 now. If it was Kyler Murray instead of Kirk Cousins, a healthy Kyler Murray, I think we're talking about them probably closer to the top 10. I really do. Yeah. Because just the upside that Kyler Murray brings on a week-to-week basis, you know, this guy was an MVP, like a legit MVP frontrunner for the first half of, 
I guess now two seasons ago, but regardless, you know, he's shown that he can do it at the highest level. The ceiling is much yes, higher than on a week to week basis. Yeah. But all right, let's move on. Yes. But obviously the consistency and the injuries yeah, is that's, and that's but yeah, no, I mean that, that it would, it would make a lot of sense because if you don't have a planet quarterback, why are you going to re-sign Justin Jefferson at that point? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and I'm I'm going to be very interested to see what Justin Jefferson gets in this market because you know last off season was the big boom on the wide receiver market where Diggs and Adams and and Tyreek and AJ Brown and all those guys got paid and the market kept just like one up in each other and we didn't really have any wide receiver contracts come up this off season so. This upcoming offseason, I believe, is the year Justin Jefferson would be getting paid because, you know, the quarterbacks are even getting it a little early. Justin Jefferson is, like, as far especially as an asset, Justin Jefferson is number one in the NFL, age and all included, as far as wide receiver goes. And, hell, maybe even non-quarterbacks, he might be number one. So, right, he definitely resets the market, but then you've also got, you know, Jamar Chase behind him. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see how much money he gets. But... Obviously, talking about him, we just we know what we're getting with Justin Jefferson. There's not a whole lot of conversation needs to be had. He's one of the best players in the NFL. They also have Jordan Addison here. They picked the first round pick. Uh, I wasn't. I was surprised when it happened, but it makes so much more sense now that it has happened. Like once I saw, it, I was like, okay, well that like now that makes sense because they needed a wide receiver too with Thielen gone and. If you're going to go out and be like, okay, well, we just got to score a bajillion points to win games now, you need a wide receiver too, better than K.J. Osborne. And I like K.J. Osborne. I think K.J. Osborne is one of the better wide receiver threes in the league, probably in the top five, six as far as wide receiver threes go. And you're going to get two or three games a year from him where he looks like he could be like a legit starting wide receiver for a lot of teams. The fact is that it's only going to happen a few games and – most times and more times than not, you're not going to be getting that from him. Uh, you bring in TJ Hawkinson midseason last year uh, was a nice addition for them as another weapon here. Minnesota has had this problem with tight end where they can't seem to figure it out for a little bit. And I think they finally got it figured out with TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I think he's their long-term tight end. And then you let go of Dalvin cook uh, for financial reasons. I imagine. Uh, and, you bring in Alexander Madison, who we've long wanted to see. A lot of people have long wanted to see in a starting role every time Dalvin Cook went down. It was, all right, let's go with Alexander Madison, and he's going to give you, you know, especially for fantasy guys, the fantasy production was always there. Like, Alexander Madison was probably one of the first or second RB2s off the board because of what he, how well he plays when Dalvin Cook gets injured. So it's going to be nice to see him get a starting role here. Uh, is there anything you want to highlight amongst the playmakers? Yeah, um, I mean, you hit on, you know, the, I guess, quote unquote, transition from Dalvin to Madison, but I don't think it's that much of a drop off. And I mean, from, like you said, a financial standpoint, I mean, the Vikings are saving so much money by doing this. As a Vikings fan, I didn't envision Dalvin, you know, being a long term answer because it, it running backs, they're just so fragile. We're still seeing it. He's still a free agent as we're speaking. I know he's with the Jets this weekend, and it looks like that's probably going to end up happening. But you don't see these running backs getting long-term deals and the co- type of contract Dalvin wanted just wasn't going to be in, in the Vikings plan. So um, like you said, he was always a top handcuff coming off the board in Madison. And every time he was called upon, he produced. And 
that's exactly what you want out of a running back too. Now it, it's his time. It's his opportunity. We're going to see what he can do. I, I like Madison. I think he's a really good runner. Um, I think he's a great pass blocker too. So um, I'm excited to see how it's going to look with him. It's, you know, you're still going to have the dreads in the backfield, which I always got to mix up. It's like four and two and they both got dreads, but um, I love Madison there. I think Hawkinson's right in that conversation, maybe just below, like, obviously Kelsey's one, Andrew's probably two, but I think he's right there with Kittle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Kittle is really freaking good. Don't get me wrong. Look at what Hawkinson did his last three actual games of the season. And I say actual because the Bears game, he played like a quarter and they pulled him. The Giants game in the regular season, 16 targets. Packers game, Second to last game, 12 targets. And then the final game against the Giants in the playoffs, 11 targets. That's 39 targets over three games. Clearly, Kirk has fallen in love with him. And it took a little bit of time because before that, it was like 9, 6, 6, then 8, then 9. And then he boomed off from there. So it only increased as his time uh, within the offense got more and more. And he got more and more comfortable. So you partner those pieces up with like you said bringing in a Jordan Addison who's he's a speedster I mean we've seen that in multiple ways already this season I know I had to include that in there I mean the guy was going 140 and a 55 I know it's for a dog emergency but um, I'm interested to see what he's gonna do I'm not completely sold on him yet I think he's a smaller guy and I worry about that I also worry with how the Vikings have done with wide receivers in the first round you take Justin Jefferson out of the equation and you've got guys like Troy Williamson and Laquan Treadwell, Corderell uh, was okay. I mean, there just isn't a lot of things to look back on in the, in the first round when Vikings are drafting receivers. So I do worry about that. And like you said, Osborne, Osborne had a really good um, couple of weeks. Like you were saying, he had a game where he had 157, a game where he had 117, threw in a couple touchdowns there as well. Um, so I think, like you said, as a wide receiver three, I really like KJ. I think he had 650 last year. I could see him getting you know closer to 800 yards this year. I think that it's going to take a little bit of time for Addison to get caught up to speed, especially in the NFL. And I think Osborne's going to be the most likable beneficiary from that. After those guys, though, there's not a lot of depth. Jalen Naylor, Jalen Rager, um, Brandon Powell, I think, is somebody that they brought in as well. So there's not a lot of depth at the wide receiver position if one of those guys were to go down. Same thing at running back. If Madison goes down, it's Ty Chandler. So I worry about the depth there um, when you're looking at possible possibility of injuries, which are inevi- inevitable in the NFL. But I think this playmaker group is right up there you know, with the best of them in the NFL. Yeah, like – this is our highest ranking playmaking group so far. We have them at number seven and you see like a lot of these, you know, all we've been going in order here, the teams with the low ranking playmakers are all been revealed yet. So like having a really good group of playmakers means a lot as far as putting together a really good team. And, you know, we've talked about it. They have arguably the best playmaker in the NFL in Justin Jefferson. Uh, And this is going to be a really fun group to watch. I think, they're going to score a lot of points because of that. And their defense is going to not really help them in that. Like they're going to be on the field a lot and they're going to have to score to win these games. So it's a good thing that they've got the guys that they do. Um, But I'm very excited for the Vikings playmakers group. This is the highlight. This is the highest ranking group that they have. Uh, Yeah, this is the highest ranking group that they have. So with that, let's move on to the offensive line and, 
Another very solid group here. You got this group in the top 10 as well, headlined by the tackle duo of Christian Darisol and Brian O'Neill. Christian Darisol made a huge step forward last season, was ranking in, I believe, the top five per PFF uh, among offensive tackles. The interior, you're a little less excited about. You got Garrett Bradbury, who's in year five now as a former first-round pick, and the pair of guards is Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram. So is there anything you want to highlight here? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, like you were talking about Darisaw, I was really impressed. I know he was a little hobbled with a couple injuries. Um, Brian O'Neill got uh, injured last year as well. Once again, if those guys are, ha- are ha- happy, yeah, if they're happy, that's great. But if they're healthy, they can really be the anchor points of this line, which is something that Kirk really hasn't had, uh, is a healthy offensive line that's been able to protect him year in and year out. Um, the other thing is Bradbury. Uh, I know he got the contract extension for this year. And I'm interested to see, is he going to revert back to how he was in the first couple of years, which was not really good at all? Or is he going to be back to where he was last year, which was pretty solid? You know, for for a center, I think he was probably in the top half of centers last year, uh, maybe like top 20, somewhere in there. Um, But uh, I'm hoping that he will be. And then when you're looking at the guard positions, Ezra Cleveland, I think, is going into year three now. Ed Ingram's okay not great ed ingram's fine at guard but when you push him to tackle with the injuries that's when ed ingram really struggles however after that that's where things are just not good at all if there's any injuries to this offensive line i mean you're looking at blake brando he mean last year for some limited duties and that's when kirk got the most pressures uday or udo He's okay. Once again, filled in last year. And then you got some other guys that are, you know, borderline fringe roster players. So it's it's very concerning as a Vikings fan to know that any injury to this offensive line could make this team from, you know, a 10-win team down to an 8-win team pretty quickly. Yeah, and Darisol, did, I, Darisol had some injuries in year one, right? I feel like I'm remembering He did, that yeah. Correctly. He was out for, like, the, the remainder of the season yeah. after, like, week seven six something like that and that i i really do think that really hurt the vikings in rookie year and obviously hurt his development is not being able to get out there and get those snaps but when he's healthy like i was even telling he was the second best tackle last season for pff brian o'neill was eighth and i was disrespecting ezra cleveland a little bit he was 11th in his own right or eighth in his own right uh among guards so you know this is there's a reason why we had this group ranked so high there's a lot of talent on it. They play well. I think Kevin, uh, why did it's Kevin O'Connell? I don't know why that feels wrong. No, it's the guy from the ring. That's Kevin O'Connor for the ringer. Okay, that was messing me up. I was I was getting him confused with like I couldn't remember if it was Connor or Connell. Anyway, he protects them really well with his scheme as well. Uh, running that uh, the McVeigh system that he runs that like altered Shanahan scheme with the wide zone stuff and you know I didn't really touch on as much with the playmakers but I do think that Madison and even Ty Chandler as well are going to be really good with that wide zone scheme these guys can get out and run so can this offensive line so I'm you know definitely excited about this offensive line we that's why we have them in the top 10 they're one of two groups that we've revealed so far that's in the top 10 so very excited for what this can be and Christian Darisol I really liked him coming out um, it was him that had the uh, cause he went to te- he went to tech right and he had the uh, 
he had his draft party in Ocean City or something like that, and like Mitchell was he like, did. "What if I? What if we went?" Because he thought that the Chargers were could have been potentially picking Darisaw. They ended up getting Slater, obviously, but like he was like, "Maybe I should go with my Chargers jersey on and you know get to meet Christian Darisaw." So ultimately, it didn't happen. Well, but. that was I remember that. I remember when the Vikings drafted him because the Vikings picked at 14 and they traded mm-hmm. out of 14 down to, I think, 22, 23. And they were going to draft Aerosol at 14 and were still able mm-hmm. to get him 10 picks. Very good uh, management position for them. You know, talking about Cleveland, um, he was a second-round pick out of Boise State. And I think he was labeled as a tackle because he's like 6'7". Mm-hmm. Yes, but he, he was. hasn't really – yeah, him and, him and Ingram both are very good at the guard position. It's getting them outside, which is where they're going to struggle. So as long as – O'Neal and Darisaw can stay healthy, and those two can remain at their prominent position. That's when this line will flourish. But like I said, one injury, and that's when you start to do the shuffle, and it's not – it just hasn't worked out in years past, and I don't see it working out this year either. Yeah, and when you have those bigger guards like that, you know, those interior guys are going to be able to get up under you, but he, you know, he still has – he has very good – play strength and he has very good posture to be able to hold that up and you know be a bigger guard there's not too many of those in the nfl currently so just to wrap up again we got them ranked at ninth very solid group going to be one of the strengths of this team you know we had crazily enough all three things i think this is definitely the first time this happened all three things in the top 10 for the vikings offense so this is going to be one of our higher ranked offenses that we've had so far but let's move on to the front seven where Things start to get a little bit more grim. It, it gets a little <laughs> bit more upsetting here, but when we get to the front seven, we have them ranked at 25th. You still have the Neil Hunter here, who I really do think that when he's playing and he's healthy, he is one of the best edge rushers in the league. I do believe that. You had Zadarius Smith last year. You had him on a one-year deal from Green Bay. Uh, he ends up leaving and going to Cleveland. Traded him away to Cleveland. Uh, but you also bring in Marcus Davenport here to kind of soften that blow a little bit. Everywhere else, though, you're 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 bringing out fringe level starters. You know, Dean Lowry has started kind of out of necessity for Green Bay for a few years. Harrison Phillips, I think I don't know how to pronounce Tonga's first name, but I like Brian Asamoah. I will say that I think Brian Asamoah could be a big breakout candidate. We have him as our breakout candidate for good reason. He only played 120 snaps last year, but played really well in those 120 snaps. Uh, you got a veteran linebacker here in Jordan Hicks to help, you know, bring him along mentally. Uh, that's like my biggest point of optimism along with the, that edge duo. But what do you like about this uh, front seven? Yeah, I mean, you, you, it's funny. This is the second year in a row the Vikings have brought somebody over from the Packers. Last year it was Zadarius Smith, and this year it's Dean Lowry. Um, I think he'll provide a couple plays here and there. Maybe he has a big game against the Packers, which is about what I'd expect. Um, Harrison Phillips was decent in in his time last year, um, kind of anchoring that defensive front, him and Tomlinson. Obviously Tomlinson's gone now, so you replace him. Um I do, like you said, I, I like Hunter when he's healthy, when he's not holding out, when he's on the field. It just hasn't been all that much as a, as of late. And then Davenport's a huge question mark. You know, last year he really struggled. I think he had like two sacks. But the year before he had like nine or ten. So if he can get back to where he was in 2021, I think the Vikings, you know, with him and Hunter, have a very good duo there. Now – is he going to be one of the best in football? No, but I think, you know, it can definitely, like you said, soften the blow. It can definitely be somewhere in that 15 to 20 range, which is all they're looking for, really and truly, because the offense is going to score points. It's just, can defense get any stops? And this is a defense last year that was pretty freaking dreadful. 
Um, you know, they allowed 400 yards or more, and I think like eight of their last 10 games. Um, Ed Donatel obviously got fired. You bring in Brian Flores. We'll see how his scheme works with some of these guys. I liked what I saw. Um, I thought he was very solid next to, to Kendricks. Uh, I think he'll be solid again. I, I really like Asamo. You know, we were talking about him. I, I do agree with him being a breakout candidate. But also, I think that's – I don't want to say by default. Um, I think, you know, there's just not many candidates to pick from on this front seven to be a quote-unquote breakout. Um, either they're established veterans, a veteran that's looking to, to bounce back, or they're kind of fringe players. So um, I think this compared to the secondary is a little bit better, but there's not a ton of optimism here. If you want me to be completely upfront and honest. Yeah, it's, it is one of, obviously we have them in the bottom eight, the bottom quarter of the league. Um, I really Davenport took a 12 point hit from 2021 to 2022 per PFF. He was an 88.8, which is a very good uh, to elite grade. Uh, then falls down to a 76.8. So not exactly what you want to see, but you've seen the elite play and you've seen that he can do it. And I think that's why he got signed here. He's going to be wearing number zero, which I don't like at all for an edge rusher. I feel like that should be for like wide receivers, running backs, only corners, maybe Um, absolutely not for an edge rusher. So it's going to, I'm going to ding him a little bit for that. Uh, All right. So let's It's also go ahead. It's also, it's also really crazy to think about, you know, how much of a coaching change can completely switch the entire dynamic of a team. Under Mike Zimmer, this was a pretty defended team. Like, I remember in the playoffs um, when they lost to the Seahawks when Blair Washington missed a 29-yard field goal. That game was 10-9. Um, and, and that's just obviously a microcosm of what we saw, I felt like, throughout the entire Zimmer era. Whereas now it's like, hey, we got an offensive coach. We're just going to score points. We're not even really going to care about the defense. So it's crazy how in, like, two to three years the entire dynamic has shifted from defensive-minded to offensive-minded. Yeah, and I also think that the fact that it was at Donatel at D.C. last year really helped push that, we're going to score a lot of points because if we don't, we're going to lose mentality. And you got Flores coming in here, who was a really good head coach when he was a head coach, goes to Pittsburgh last year, spent some time as an assistant. I was almost certain that he would get a a defensive coordinator job almost immediately whether it be with us or with somebody else he does that after one season of like uh you know like kind of like the alabama like coach rehab where they send the guys down there after they had a rough spell in the nfl and then they come back up it's kind of what happened there in pittsburgh but i i do think that he's one of the better defensive minds we'll talk about him when we get to the coaching but for right now let's move on to the secondary which i don't feel as good about as the front seven but we do as a consensus have them a little bit higher I like Byron Murphy a lot. I think Byron Murphy is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. And the fact that he only got, I think, what did he get, like 10 or $11 million from you guys on a one-year, like, shorter deal, I thought that was phenomenal value for Minnesota, yeah. especially with their humongous need at corner. Uh, but the the humongous need at corner is the concern here, and that's why we're talking about them in not such a great light. You got rookie Makai Blackman, who was a third-round pick off the top of my head. I'm not... 100% certain about that, but, uh, and then you have a Caleb Evans here. I think one, two wise, at least at this point in time, this is one of the two or three worst pairs of corners, pairs of starting corners in the NFL perimeter corners. Uh, but then you got Byron Murphy in the slot. That's going to help bring that up a little bit. Still got Hitman Harrison here. Who's getting up there in age. Uh, I don't know how many more seasons of, 
competent Harrison Smith we're going to be getting here. I think he's starting to lose a little bit of his speed, and he's going to be playing almost like an undersized linebacker out there. Uh, and then Cam Bynum starting a safety, but then hiding under these in the little names. We do have two first-round picks from last season. It's extremely concerning that you have two first-round picks from last year that are not in big font uh, for the secondary that is really not good. And then this is Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth. Andrew Booth, corner out of Clemson, and Lewis Seen, safety out of Georgia. So I think there's – and I think that is part of the optimism for these guys is the fact that there's two first-round talents waiting in the wings. And if they can figure it out, at least – you know, even if one of them figures it out, I think they can fulfill this 22 ranking. But uh, what are your thoughts on the secondary? Yeah, it's not great. Uh, that's what you want me to, to, to allude to. Yeah, that's what um, I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I did like some of the things that Booth did last year. Some of the things weren't great. Some of them were. He showed some flash in there. Um, so we'll see what he can propel into maybe this year. Lucene suffered an absolutely gruesome injury um, that you wonder how he's going to be able to bounce back from that. Hopefully good. But I think at least starting off on the depth chart, I, I think it makes sense that both those guys are, are kind of where they are. I can't believe they're rookies over Booth. But they obviously, like you said, third-round pick with, with Blackman. Um, they obviously like some things there. Harrison Smith, definitely running out of steam. He's always been there, though. Uh, I mean, they're going to they're gonna give him better than the Adam Thielen treatment as far as just keeping him around until he's ready to go and he'll be an all-time Viking. Yeah, I did not realize. Uh, like, I was looking up pictures for uh, the, the graphic. He was on the team during, like, the Adrian Peterson jersey, like the – I guess, yeah. like, yeah, like, I did not realize, like, that was so weird to see him in that jersey that, like, looked fake. And he looked yep. skinny yep. as hell, but too. You look at the, what the Vikings have done from the defensive back position in the last, I don't know, 10 years, it has not been good. I think the best player that they've drafted in the first round from the defensive back position is Trey Waynes. Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes had a well, Pro Bowl yeah, season, I believe. Xavier was where was Xavier? I thought he was, he was, a, he was okay. He was twenty. Yeah, he was twenty. He was twenty thirteen. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I meant. After that, it's mm-hmm. been absolutely terrible. You've had Trey Waynes, who was I guess okay for a little while. Mackenzie Alexander was a second round pick. Um, you had Mike Hughes, first round pick. You had Jeff Gladney, R.I.P., first round pick. Um, and then you had obviously Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen. So it's just. It, nothing's worked out for them from the defensive back position, and they just continue and continue and continue to draft corners and safeties early on uh, in drafts. But outside of that, Cam Bynum showed some promise, and I, you know, you touched on Byron Murphy. I really like what they did. I think it was a $12.8 million deal that they gave him one year um, deal, but I, I really like what I saw from him in Arizona, and I think he's going to bring – obviously Harrison's going to be there as the leader, but he's going to be there more for, from the vocal so I think Bynum's going to show it a little bit more from a, from a leader on that back end because they're going to need somebody to step up uh, if they're going to have any chance at you know making the playoffs and making a run. Yeah, and Murphy's only like 24-25, uh, I believe was a first-round pick, if not a second-round pick, when he got drafted by Arizona. So, like, just to get that guy for, you know, one-year I wouldn't even say a prove-it deal. Like, he's coming in on a legit contract here. I think that's really good value. And, like, to your point about Minnesota's history with DBs, like, it should have been a lot worse than it was last year, but you got a career resurgence season out of Patrick Peterson, who's now gone as well. 
But, like, if that didn't happen, like, we would have seen, you know, that could have been the difference of two, three wins for this team, especially as close as their margins were, where we saw them win a lot of one-score games. If Patrick Peterson was, you know, kind of, if he continued along his career trajectory and didn't make a little bump up last year, it could have been a difference of a couple wins for them. And I, th- I mean, the Buffalo game, yeah. Patrick Peterson, two interceptions yeah. in the Buffalo game. He doesn't have theirs, they lose. Yeah, and, like, you're not going to – I don't think you're getting even a Patrick Peterson level of play from any of these guys this year, and that's what I'm worried about. And, like, you know, we're already down on the Vikings a little bit just because of the amount of wins that they had last year that were as close as they are. But, like, while we do have them ranked higher, I do think that this is their weakest group, especially if they can't get anything from Booth and Scene. If you can't get anything from Booth and Scene, this is probably a bottom five or six group in the NFL. If you can get something from one of them, I think 22 is right. If you can get something from both of them, now you're talking about, you know, four-fifths of your secondary is at least an average starter or above-average starter, and now I think you get into the top 20s. But I just, after year one, I know both of them suffered some injuries and were in and out of the lineup, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, the other, I guess, glass-half-full mindset to have with this is that there are no legitimate standouts besides probably murphy and smith as far as staple points so it embraces the competition i feel like a little bit for these guys but also if any of them if any of them are to go down you've at least got somebody that's about same level you know that's going to be replacing them so that's like the only good thing that you can look at is you know if an injury is to happen let's say two blackman then you can put booth in or vice versa if an injury is to happen to cam bynum you put lewisine in or vice versa and there isn't that much of a drop off maybe it's an increase you never know so there's a lot of obviously question marks somebody's going to have to stand out somebody's going to have to break out for this team to just be i mean to, to stop anybody, really and truly. In a quarterback-driven league where it's a pass-happy offense, one of these guys is going to have to step up for the Vikings to have any chance. And the other problem is, I know you've, and we'll. this is how we'll finish up the secondary, but that edge-rushing duo is great, but I just don't think that they're going to be putting as much pressure on. I know Flores is going to be, he's much more of attacking. He's not going to do the sit-back and, and cover four like Donatel did so much last year that shot you guys in the foot, ultimately. But... He's going to be much more attacking, but even still, you know, when you're playing this kind of man coverage where you're sending five and six guys, these guys have to cover, and if they're if the pressure's not getting home, they can't be covering for four, five, six seconds. Like, it's, it's really hard to play man coverage for that long, especially as good as the wide receivers are getting in the NFL nowadays. Luckily, you're in a division where, I mean, I guess DJ Moore now being in a conference. Chicago. Yeah, and really in a conference. I mean, you do have... We'll get to their schedule in a little bit, and I'm sure we'll touch on the wide receivers that the secondary is going to be playing. But you know, that's front seven defense is a cohesive unit. Like you've, if the front seven isn't getting home, that makes the secondary's job a lot harder. So, uh, absolutely, be, be really interesting to see how that works out and how those camp battles. You know, who ends up winning those starting jobs. So, moving on to the coaching here, where we got first year, I guess, heading into a second year head coach here, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, who won the division in his first season as head coach. That's a feather in his cap that not a lot of people, not a lot of rookie head coaches have. Uh, Gets a 13-win season. Obviously, it's a little fraudulent. Uh, But I think that, or at least a lot of people, the people are saying that it's fraudulent. Um, But still put together a very solid season. Like To be in 13 one-score games is an accomplishment in itself and it's an indictment of the offense that he's able to create. You know, this was one of the high scoring offenses in the NFL last season. I believe they were seventh in points scored. He is the offensive play caller. So that is another, you know, is another 
is attributed to him, rather. Um, then you've also got uh, Wes Phillips coming in here. Uh, he came over with O'Connell last season, and then we talked about at at Donatel being let go here. He was part of that group of defensive coordinators that were really, really bad. Him, uh, Woods, and the third guy that I'm blanking on. Uh, Who was it? I can't remember. Move on. Good podcast. Anyway, um, but and then even this division, like uh, Joe Barry, they all ran that cover four. Obviously, Joe Barry doesn't get let go, but they're they're all running quarters and they're running it to a fault, and they're getting killed because of it. Now you bring in Brian Flores, you completely flip the uh, the mindset of this defense. They're going to be much more attacking. They're going to be much more man heavy. Brian Flores, like we mentioned earlier, is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. Uh, has head coaching experience. I would not be surprised if this is another one-year stop for Brian Flores before he gets another head coaching job uh, with another team. But while he's here, this defense is going to be much better than the name show because of how he can elevate a group. You know, we have this team at 14th. I think for a guy coming in as a second-year head coach, I think that's a very solid ranking. There are a lot of coaches here that have been much more tenured than Kevin O'Connell that are below him. So, what are your thoughts overall on the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin KOC, Kevin O'Connell, I think it's at least after one year shown to be a home run hire. Um, you know, this is kind of the trend that we've seen with the NFL is going after these younger guys that might be quarterback coaches or OCs for a year and then hiring them in um, as as uh, as head coaches. Um, and we've seen a lot of success from these guys previously as well. Uh, McVeigh and uh, Zach Taylor, just to give you a couple um, off the top of my head. But yeah, I think I think what the Vikings have gotten so far in year one from Kevin O'Connell, I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for anything more. Obviously, you want a playoff win, sure. But really and truly, what you're able to do, getting 13 wins um, in a division that I don't think anybody really had them winning. I think everybody thought it was going to be the Packers, and they were the prohibitive favorite going into last season. And then, like you said, bringing in Brian Flores, I think – if we can crumble up all the off-field crap, I think is a very good defensive coordinator. I think he's a very good defensive mind. So I'm really interested to see what he's going to do. This is kind of his resurgence uh, campaign, I guess you can say, to get back into prominence. Uh, and then maybe after a year or two, try for, for another head coach position. But yeah, I think you know 14 is, is, like you said, a really good ranking. But I think it's a warranted ranking as well compared to, to some of the other coaches and what they've done last year going into this year. Um, obviously, there's no pressure on Kevin O'Connor or anything like that, but I think really and truly his relationship with Kirk is only blossoming. We saw that through last year, and I think it's only going to continue into this year. The offensive-minded coach is working in this league, I think is what we're really starting to see uh, you know, over the last couple of years with, with the teams that have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's really gotten to the point now where you either have an elite offensive-minded head coach or your def- if you have a defensive-minded coach, you better be one of the best damn like CEO-style coaches. Your Bill Belichick's, your Mike Tomlin's, your Mike Rabel's, like those kinds of guys that just establish the culture so well. Those are like those. That's the formula for having a good coach. It's either a really big culture guy or a really good offensive play caller. And I think that if Kevin O'Connell, like obviously I'm not as tapped in on what's going on with the Vikings, but if he can continue to establish the culture here in Minnesota, I think you're could be talking about one of the top 10 coaching staffs, especially if Flores can stick around here. You're talking about one of the top 10 coaching staffs in the NFL moving forward uh, into the future. So moving. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think if the Vikings, if the Vikings are right around 500 this year, that's what you expect. But next year is going to be the year that I'm going to be like, okay, now you don't have 
your staple point. Let's say Kirk Cousins does move on. Let's say you don't have that staple point at quarterback. Now it's going to be his time to show me what he's got. Whether or not that's bringing in, like we've talked about, like a Kyler Murray or something, where then the pressure is really on where it's like, okay, you, you got Super Bowl got everything you need. If Kyler Murray's here. Exactly. Or, or it's are you going to take in a younger quarterback and kind of mold him into your own quarterback? What, what, one of those two scenarios, if you move off Kirk, is going to be really intriguing to watch because I'm interested to see how a young coach is going to be able to handle some of that adversity, I guess you can tell. Yeah, for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin O'Connell has to be one of the two or three youngest coaches in the NFL, if not the youngest coach in the NFL. He, I'm like, yeah, sit, I'm sitting he's... here staring at his face, like big on my computer screen, and there, I, there's no way he's too far over 40. It's 38. 38, yeah. Got to be in the, you know, two or three. I youngest. mean, he could play quarterback. Yeah, like there there are backups floating around in the league. right. There are starters floating around in the league right now. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the schedule for the Minnesota Vikings. They're raking in the middle of the pack uh, as far as strength schedule goes at 18th. They're over-under set at 8.5 wins, which is obviously dead center. Um, yep. The schedule, like, you get the North, obviously. I think this is the best team in the NFC North. We do have uh, the only remaining team, the Detroit Lions, coming up here very shortly. Uh, I think that, in my mind, I'd, I'd be taking the Vikings for the division favorite. Like, that's what, if I was betting, that would be where my money is. I don't trust Detroit as much as a lot of people do. Uh, I think, like, I think the hype has been going too far on Detroit, but this isn't the Detroit episode. We'll talk about Detroit in the Detroit episode. Uh, but you get the North. You also get the AFC West, which is going to be a little bit of a problem because that is Kansas City. That is the Chargers. You know, Denver, Vegas, I think, can give the Vikings games uh, depending on the day. You also get the NFC West... East? Wait, what do they get? What is what is their NFC? Oh, the South. Everyone. Yeah. Almost uh, named all the other divisions. Um, so that's nice. You get if the fact that you get the NFC West or Jesus the Christ South. south. Um, yeah, you get the South here. I think they're favored in all four of those games, regardless of where they're playing. You know, maybe, maybe they're not favored in Atlanta. Maybe, but I I'd still like I'd be picking the Vikings in that game probably. Um, what are your just thoughts on the schedule and uh, what are you playing over under? Well, we, we talked about the divisions that they're going to be facing, but the other three games on that schedule are against the Eagles, the Bengals and the 49ers. So that's extremely congrats on winning the division last year. Right. I know that that's what that comes. Um, yeah, I think, you know, eight, eight and a half, um, man, it's tough. Because I see this team like eight and nine, nine and eight. Like that's really and truly what I see the Vikings being. I, I, it, it's interesting because I do look at the Lions as the favorite this year. Um, in my mind, I think that what they've got is a little bit better. But the Lions haven't ever had pressure, and now the Lions are going to have pressure to win the division. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what a guy like Jared Goff, because you know last year it was just like, hey man, just go out there and play and have fun, and that's what he did, and he did really well. Now the pressure's on. He's been in the situations before when he was with the Rams, but it's going to be interesting now team ever had expectations, or if they have, they've been very minimal. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that pressure. I think the Vikings end up going probably 4-2 and two in conference. Um, I think that they end up sweeping one of Um I know that's probably crazy to say, because I can't remember the last time I'd say the Vikings were going to sweep the Packers. 
Um, but outside of that, you know, the, the two teams that they get from the AFC West in Minnesota are the Chiefs and the Chargers. So that is a nice benefit there. I think if you can split that, you know, you go one and one there, that's really nice to have. Between the Bucks, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons, you got to go three and one. If you can go three and one in those games, you're setting yourself up pretty nice because then that gets you to eight wins and then you just need one out of the Bengals, the 49ers, and the Eagles. And if you can get one of those, then you end up over that that eight and a half threshold, which would get you your over wins. I'm probably, if I have to lean, honestly, I'm probably taking the under, which is crazy for me to say. Um, but I just, with the defensive side of things and how many close games they won, you know, if you cut that number in half, and let's say they had 12 games that they won in one score games, if they go six and six in those games, they're a seven and 10 team. And that's just where you'd expect the law of averages to be. So as many as those close games they won last year, am I expecting them to win all those games this year? Hell no. You can't. Why? Last year was such a fun ride, and it was such a roller coaster of emotions every single week, every single game. It's just not going to happen this year, and I think a lot of those close games we're going to lose this year. And that's why I, I think somewhere in the, the 8 and 9 range, but if they finish 9 and 8, I'm not going to be surprised. That is a line that I just would stay so far away from and would never put anything yeah, on. Yeah, that it. would but but yeah, you did that. but 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 you made a point with the Vikings winning the division and I think they're like plus 220 or plus 230 to win the division. That might be the most valuable thing to take is for them to win the division because I think 9 wins Maybe maybe it's ten wins that wins this division, but it's going to be nine or ten wins. I don't see an eleven or twelve win team in this division. Yeah, that would be my thing. Is I'd probably just not play this at all. Like I wouldn't want to touch this because they're going to be hovering right around there. It's probably going to come down to the last week of the season. But like you mentioned, the law of averages, and I think that's a fair point. That I do think that regression is going to come back and bite them in the butt. You know, you won however many one score games last year. Odds are you're probably not going to get that again. But I think they're a better team this year. And I think, you know, even with the losses that they had personnel-wise, you know, Dalvin Cook, Sedari Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, I think the coaching has gotten better. I think you're getting another year of improvement, like we talked about with that secondary. I really do think that one of Andrew Booth or Lewisine works out and becomes an average to, you know, and I wouldn't say an above-average starter in year two, but a, a guy that you want out there playing snaps for you. And if you can get one of those to work, the secondary works, and you, you know, Hell, if you get a couple lucky bounces here in Minnesota again, um, I I really do think that they could get that nine. And I do think you are absolutely right with saying that the NFC, the uh, division title is where the value is to just take them to win the division Uh, because you're going to get much better odds on that than the over here. I have like a kind of weird hot take. I think that the division winner in the NFC North wins less games than the division winner in the NFC South. I like... I think there's a world where that happens. Everybody's talking about how bad the NFC South is. I don't know if the NFC North is that much better. I really don't. Like, So so you think that the Vikings are going to get less wins than the Falcons? Dude, I love the Falcons this year. You know I love the Falcons. <laughs> and it, su- it sucks because how much I dislike Desmond Ritter, but I like everything else about their roster. Like, The Falcons are like the new team where like the new poster child team for just give them a quarterback. And as, as soon as they figure the quarterback thing out, they're going to be in it. Don't sleep on Kyler Murray potentially ending up in Atlanta. Think about that, dude. With that run scheme, to it's going to be. And they were, you know, remember, they were, they were in the Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. sweepstakes there for a little while as and well. It, so, yeah, I mean, that would make like, sense. There was a time where it was understood that they were going to win the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. I think when Cleveland yeah. sweep, swooped in at the 11th hour and offered the fully guaranteed contract, I think that changed things. But. 
he was going to Atlanta. Like, that was happening before that happened. And, you know, maybe they're in a better spot because they didn't get Sean Watson. Who knows? We'll talk about Sean Watson and that whole situation on the Browns episode. But I'm very intrigued to see how Atlanta and how this division works out more importantly, because this is the Vikings episode. Uh, so let's move on to the rankings recap here. Uh, we have the offense at ninth. I think that's, uh, that is definitely the first top 10 offense we've had. Uh, everything on their offense does rank in the top 10. So very fitting here that they are at ninth. However, the defense all the way down at 25th. So you've got like kind of a yin yang going where you got the really good offense, not so great defense, which I honestly think, you know, especially statistically, it's going to make the offense better because the offense is going to have to put up a lot of points to stay in games here. Uh, And then the championship window, I was closed for now. And we talked about this a little bit pre-show. This is one of the hardest ones I've had to do because they're like the first team where, there's not like a quarterback that's kind of set in stone or we know that he's not going to be like, like with the Falcons, we were like, okay, they're going to get a new quarterback next year. Like in all likelihood, unless Ritter takes a big step or if Ritter takes a step, then that's your guy. But Kirk Cousins, they've said they don't have any plans to extend him. And if they don't extend Kirk Cousins, I don't see other than the Kyler situation that we talked about. I don't see an avenue for them to go get a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins for next year. And if you're having a, like, even if you get a young guy, we could be talking about a three to four years away window for the Vikings to get back in the championship window, even in this poor NFC. And, you know, by then we're now paying Justin Jefferson. I mean, three to four years from now, this roster could look completely different. We have no idea what's, what could happen here. So what are your thoughts on one to two years away? Again, this was one of the hardest ones that I've had to do so far. Yeah, I think this is your last push for a couple of years. Um, I mean, if you're going to – the NFC, like we've talked about, is, is pretty weak. Eagles, obviously up at the top. 49ers are right there as well. Probably Cowboys, Giants, maybe I think, Seahawks. I think cut you off at Cowboys, personally. I think, I think in right. the NFC there are three teams that are in the championship window, and that's a little bit of a spoiler. It's the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles. I think it's those three teams. Right, but what I- – but what I'm saying is, is if the Vikings were to make a deep run, it's going to be this year or it's not going to be until four yeah. or five years from mm-hmm. now is, is how I'm looking. Unless, like we said, we've been talking about this, if they went out and got like a Kyler Murray or something like that, then things change. But as of right now, with how the roster is landscaped, with what you're looking at from um, a free agency pool, from what you're looking at of where you're going to be picking or draft picks coming along, there's not much to work with. You're kind of strapped here with what you've got. And then looking forward into next year, you know, there's going to be the question marks and the rumblings and everything's going to take center stage. Um, but, yeah, I think if if you're going to make any sort of run, it's this year. This is this is the last year of having a team, especially from the offensive side, that is at the top of the, the, the conference. And you got to take advantage of it. And if they don't take advantage of it this year, yeah, I, I agree. I don't – you put one to two years, I think it's probably closer to three, maybe four. Mm-hmm. And – which is why I thought it was a somewhat curious decision to shed salary and shed a lot of star talent. Dalvin Cook, Zadarius Smith, Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Tomlinson, those are four guys that are at the very worst above average starters in the NFL. You know, some of those guys you could even consider stars. And you just are we're just doing this for financial sake. I mean, we know you've said we're not bringing Kirk Cousins back. We have Kirk Cousins at 10. You don't have too many avenues to get a guy better than Kirk Cousins. And that, to me, and like you said, this is the year. If you're going to do it, you got to do it this year. And then to just be like, okay, well, let's let these four guys out the door just for the sake of saving money. 
in what's presumably the last year of you competing for a Super Bowl doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, we'll see if it works. And maybe Questy's got something up his sleeve. Maybe he is planning for a potential Kyler Murray trade to happen or a you know potential superstar quarterback to hit the market, and that's what he does. Or maybe he's even prepping for a Kirk Cousins contract. I don't know. But I don't like that. I think the defensive – I think outside letting some of those guys go is a lot more detrimental than Dalvin. Like I, oh, yeah, I think that Matt sure. can for step sure. in and still be comparable. I'm not going to say as good as Dalvin. I don't want to undersell Dal- Dalvin's capabilities. But I think – like you said, losing a, a vocal leader and a captain like Eric Henson. You didn't even mention like Patrick Peterson losing him too. You know, I mean, he had a resurgence here. You know, maybe you get something out of him one more year. Maybe you sign him to a one-year deal um, to kind of anchor down that that defensive secondary. But yeah, to to just let a lot of that veteran talent just go by the wayside, like you said, Zedarius and Dalvin is Dalvin Tomlinson as well. It hurts. It, it definitely hurts and you wonder what the ramifications are going to be, especially on the defensive side this year. Yeah. And like I said, that just, it's such a puzzling decision of, to why they do that. But again, maybe he's got something up his sleeve. Uh, nine and 25 for offense, defense, fair rankings. Yeah, I think, I think the rankings are about what I'd expect them to be. They're a middle of the pack team. You know, they're maybe in the NFC, a top five four team in the NFC, maybe top three team, who knows, but when they put it into the grand scheme of the entire NFL, I mean, the AFC is just so loaded. I think there's probably eight teams, maybe nine teams that are maybe better than the Vikings from the AFC, which is crazy to think about that there's that big of a drop off between conferences. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Kirk's right there. Like we said, somewhere between nine and 12, 10 and 13, whatever it might be. And then the defense we know is a bottom 10 unit in the NFL. And then I think that that just goes right into where the overall ranking is. And it's right where we have, uh, the coaching staff as well, which I think it's a, a pretty middle of the line coaching staff as well. Um, so yeah, I think that you know where where we have them and where I think they're going to end up being once it's all said and done is probably about right where they are, fourteen, fifteen, somewhere in there. Yeah, and I said you know we put these rankings together, the four of us. You actually had the Vikings offense at exactly nineteenth. You had their defense at twenty second. So all ends up shaping out to be right around where you had them. So. It's gonna do it for us. Nineteenth. Uh, I had their offense. I had their offense at ninth. No, right? yeah, ninth. I said ninth. Maybe did I? Did I say nineteenth? I said nineteenth. I was okay. like, I did not have no, them that no, 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 no. If the Vikings are the nineteenth best offense, they're a three-win team, say, and they're in the running. I was about to say, if the Vikings are nineteenth offense, we talked. We probably were talking about them a month ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so gonna be we've been a little inconsistent the last couple weeks we had some scheduling stuff we had to get tyler on for the vikes episode so we had to make some time for that but it's all good we're glad to have you back uh we should be having the next episode coming out over the next few days so be on the lookout for that be sure to subscribe like comment all that uh youtube stuff uh appreciate you watching and we are going to get out of here so peace